Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. How are you doing today? Good. I'm, I'm glad you guys have some energy. I'm guessing you probably got some coffee. Well, my name is Todd Cooper. I am not the lead pastor. I'm the student pastor here. And I uh, have the privilege of hanging out with the 6th grade through 12th graders each week. And I mentioned last time a little bit about what we're doing and what God's doing in our ministry. And so I won't spend as long this morning, but I do want to mention a few things. I, I, last time I encouraged you and I challenged you to pray about helping out with the student ministry. Whether you're 80 years old, whether you're 20 years old, whether you're married, whatever it might be, we have opportunities for you to serve, whether it be every Sunday night, whether it be once a month, whether it be Sunday mornings here at church. I encourage you and I challenge you to continue to pray about that. If you guys do feel like God has put that burden on your heart to, to reach this generation who in many ways is so lost, and, and we have a group here in our church who is seeking God and who seeks to change this community, to change the world. If you guys have that burden to, to help these students. Let me encourage you, this Thursday night in backstage, we will have a, a, a dinner for the leaders and anybody who's uh, interested in helping. This isn't a commitment, but if you guys can make it Thursday night, just please let me know and uh, we will feed you, we will bless you, and I'll share my vision for what um, God is doing, what I see God doing here in the future. And so let me encourage you guys to consider coming Thursday night. All right? Um, we also have a lot of stuff going on in the summer. I told you that we are doing stuff every Tuesday, every Wednesday, and every Thursday. And it has been awesome. We had our first week this last week. Tuesday, we went and hung out at the beach there at Shipyard. Wednesday, we had 16 students who woke up early on their summer break to come here in the youth room at 9 o'clock in the morning and to learn more about God in our discipleship class, to pray for each other, to spend time with God, to, to learn about um, the book of Mark and what Jesus does in the book of Mark. And it was awesome. Thursday, we took a group of just about the same 17 or 18 students to a nursing home there in Bluffton. We ministered to the elderly there and, and uh, brought smiles to their face, and they brought smiles to our face. It was awesome. So if you guys want to jump in, we could definitely use your help. And if, if anything, please just continue to pray for us because God is doing something big, and, and uh, the prayers are what is going to um, fuel that. So anyways, I'll... I'll Stop for this morning. Next time I get up, I'll talk more about the youth and uh, make you guys feel like you have to help out too, all right? So this morning, we're going to continue our series on courage. We're going to continue talking about um, what is courage? What does it look like to have courage? When do we need courage? How do we find this courage? All right, and so we've talked about Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament and the courage to overcome the battle he faced. Um, we talked about Elijah, we talked about David, and this morning we're going to continue in this idea of courage. And so when I ask myself these questions in preparing for this, um, this series, this message, I ask myself, what requires courage? What are things in our walk as Christians, what requires courage? What requires courage even when we aren't a Christian? And um, I shared the first week on Jehoshaphat. This week, I believe that one thing that requires courage almost more than anything is I believe that it requires a great deal of courage to share the gospel. I believe it requires a huge amount of courage to, to approach somebody, not in condemnation, not in hate, but in love. It still takes courage to share the gospel with somebody, to, to encourage them to, to, for some people, maybe to turn their entire life around and follow Jesus. It takes courage. In 2007, when I was a freshman in high school, hopefully I didn't make you guys feel too old, but when I was a freshman in high school, I had the opportunity to, to go to Cork, Ireland. And it was an amazing opportunity. It was my second mission trip. And, and really when I signed up, I just kind of wanted a vacation because I, I had always wanted to go to Ireland. And so I didn't know what I was signing up for, but as we prepared and we, we met every other week 
for months up until the mission trip, I began to find out what we would be doing. And it, all that we would be doing in Ireland is sharing the gospel face-to-face with people. Because if you have been to Ireland or if you know anything about uh, Ireland, it's, they have everything we have. And they aren't lacking. We didn't go over there to bring food to the villages. They have everything we have. They, had the, they have the cell phones we have. They have the food. They have the religion that we have. And they've had a religion a lot longer than us. And so I quickly found out that as we'd go out in the streets day after day for 10 days straight, and we would share our testimonies, and we would do dramas, and we would go up face-to-face with people and ask them what they believed and, and share the gospel with them, you quickly found out that they were tired of religion. They were sick of what the churches had kept preaching to them. And so we'd have people spit on us. We'd have people cuss at us. We'd have people completely ignore us just for sharing the gospel. And so that's why I say that the gospel can sometimes be extremely hard to share. It can take a lot of courage to share with those who are hopeless or those who, who, who need help. And so today, I want to explore this idea, what, what does it look like to have courage to share the gospel? Because the tension is, for us as Christians, that God has called us to share the gospel. He makes that clear at the end of Matthew that, that we are to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are to go and we are to share what, what Christ has given us, what Christ has done on the cross. And this word gospel, which literally means good news, is, is, nothing, is not created by the New Testament writers. This was not a new word. This word was used in the, in the kingdoms um, of that time, in the Roman and the Greek kingdoms. And this word, which meant good news, would be used by the messengers who would come through the villages. And, and a messenger for the Roman Empire would come through the villages and proclaim the gospel, which for them was that there was a new king on the throne or that Rome had won the war that it was in. That was the gospel. It was the good news. And so this wasn't a created word, but, but Jesus used it to say, I have a news so much greater than anything that the Rome can provide for you, anything that Rome has for you. And so Jesus says, I have good news, and the good news is that you don't have to do anything to earn your salvation. I've done it for you. And so this is the gospel that we are called to share day in and day out as we go about our lives, as we travel to foreign countries, as we sit at our dinner table with our family. This is the gospel that we are called to proclaim and to proclaim boldly. But many times it's hard. I understand that. I, I had a hard time standing face to face with somebody 30 years older than me, 40 years older than me, on the streets of Ireland after being cussed at by the last person and trying to share the gospel with them. And so today, I want us to explore what does this look like to share the gospel? How do, we, how do we gather this boldness and this courage to share the gospel? And so, if you guys will join me, go ahead and open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 9. And you guys, as you guys are looking for that, you guys can follow along on your apps, on your Hilton Head Island Community Church apps. You guys can follow along in your worship guides. But we'll be uh, through a few passages here at the beginning, and then I'll break them down for us. Go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. It's talking about Jesus, and it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the, to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers into his harvest. Go ahead, go to Matthew chapter 14, a few chapters to the right. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. It says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And the last one, Luke chapter 7 Luke chapter 7, verse 12. It says, As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bears stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. And so, besides Jesus, the, the one word that we see in common with these three passages, and, and I could bring up six or seven more of them, and I could bring up several in the Old Testament, is the word compassion. It's the word compassion. And many of us have a, a presupposition of what compassion means, and, and many of us might consider it synonymous to sympathy, but I believe there's a big difference between compassion and sympathy. See, compassion is to enter sympathetically into one's sorrow and pain, or even this, a deep awareness of the suffering of another accompanied by the wish to relieve it. Listen to that one more time. Compassion is a deep awareness of the suffering of another accompanied by the wish to relieve it. Think in your life, who is in great pain? Who is suffering? Maybe somebody in your workplace, somebody in your own family, somebody you see on the news, somebody here on this island. Who, who is suffering? And do we have a a desire to relieve it? Do we have a wish to relieve it or have we just accepted it and have we moved on? See, Jesus shows us that compassion, I believe, requires action. See, in Matthew chapter nine, he had compassion upon those that he saw. He had compassion upon the crowd and so afterwards he goes and he commissions the 12 disciples and he sends them out and he gives them power to deliver those who are oppressed and to help those who are are helpless. In the second passage that we read in, in Matthew chapter 14, he had compassion upon those who were hungry, and he didn't allow the disciples just to send them off. He said, no, keep them here, feed them. And he, he multiplied the food and he fed them. He fed the 5,000. In our last passage in Luke 7, he had compassion upon the widow. He had compassion because her last son had just passed away. And in this society, for a widow to lose her last son, she lost everything. 
In this society, unfortunately, women really had no rights. They, ha they had nothing if it weren't for a husband or for a son. So her son would provide for her. Her son would have been, her provision would have worked and would have taken care of her until her old age, until she passed away. And so Jesus had compassion upon her because she, he knew that she had lost everything, that she was now hopeless. And he had compassion, and his compassion wasn't that he just felt bad for her. His compassion was that he raised her son to life. He brought the son back to life so that she would then have hope, that then she could move on with her life, that she could be provided for. And so again, compassion is not just feeling bad for somebody. That's sympathy. Compassion is, is feeling for somebody, feeling the pain that somebody is, is going through and then acting accordingly. And my fear is that in our society, and I speak to myself, my fear is that we are losing a sense of compassion, that we are becoming increasingly compassionless. There's, there's a, a medical diagnosis, a medical term that is, that is called compassion fatigue. And for those who, who work with the hurting, who work with the oppressed, maybe a nurse or maybe somebody who works uh, for FEMA or somebody who works for Samaritan's Purse, somebody who goes throughout the world and, and constantly sees people who are hurting, who are hungry, who need help. And this compassion fatigue is when people lose a sense of compassion. They, they lose a sense of sympathy. They lose a sense of feeling bad for these people who don't have everything. And, and my fear is, is that is that we are becoming increasingly compassionless, that we might be compassion fatigued. I grew up in a household where the news was on 24-7. And I know my dad will listen to this sermon, and I will have to say, for his sake, and I honestly do believe this, that there are benefits of watching the news, of staying tuned into what is going on around the world. But what I saw happening in my own life, and I believe it can happen to many people, is that when you watch over and over and over what is happening in this world, we lose a sense of compassion. It just becomes normal for us. It becomes a part of life, but that's not true. That's, that's, that's far from the truth. It's not part of life. That's not how God created us as humans. He created us in a world that was perfect. He put Adam and Eve in a garden where there was no corruption, where there was no death, where there was no hunger or hurt. And we have to continually remind ourselves that that is the world that God calls us to live in, that yes, at this time, we deal with corruption, but that God intended for all of creation to live in harmony, to live in peace, where Isaiah says the lamb will lay down with the, the lion, that the child will play over the hole of the serpent, and at one time, God will bring his kingdom back and, and all things will be made new, as Revelation says. And we will live in this world. But that's not to say that we give up on trying to make this place we live in, this world we live in, like that. It's not to say that we give up compassion and this desire to, to bring healing, to bring hope to the hopeless. I fear that we're becoming compassionless because somebody can walk into a church two hours north of us and do what they did. I feel as if our 
world is becoming compassionless because there is a group of people halfway around the world who can take the life of innocent people just for saying that they believe in Jesus. Take the life of their innocent children who have no words to speak. Our world is becoming compassionless. And I believe it's our job, it's our role as Christians to, to recognize that and to ask God to give us compassion. Because God is the only one who can change our hearts. We can't muster up the compassion. We can feel bad. But I believe that God is the only one who can change our hearts. The only one who can give us compassion to act accordingly. And so I'll give you your fill in the blank now and then I will continue with something else. My main point today, if I could communicate anything, and I'll expand on this in here in a second, but if I can communicate one thing to you, is that compassion for those in need gives us courage to share the gospel. It's the compassion for those that we see are hurting that gives us the courage that we've been talking about the last three weeks. It gives us the, comp- the courage to share the gospel, to go out and to feed those who are hungry, to help those who are in need, to ask that person that's standing in front of us in line, do you know Jesus? Because we must have compassion on each person because every person has an eternal soul. And we must realize that compassion is what is going to encourage us, is what's going to give us the courage to share the hope with them, to possibly share the good news of Jesus Christ and to, to change their entire life. And so, how do we get this compassion? How do, we, how do we find this compassion? I mentioned that I believe it's only Jesus, only God who can give us this compassion. But what do we do? Do we, do we tithe? Do we give enough money and God will give us compassion? Do we pray a certain prayer? If you guys will join me, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him, who is Jesus, a blind man, and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. This is the only miracle that Jesus performs, which is a progressive miracle. We might ask the question, did Jesus not do something right? Did Jesus mess up? Why is it that Jesus spit on his eyes and he wasn't completely healed? Why is it that when the man opened his eyes, he he couldn't see clearly? He could only see people as if there were trees walking around. And no, it's not because Jesus did something wrong. It's not because Jesus couldn't heal this man. He did it for a reason. He did it to communicate something to those people reading 
then and he communicated it to us reading now. And he communicated this. That, that we can have our eyes, our spiritual eyes touched. And we can see people as if they're trees which are in a sense purposeless. In a sense don't matter. And we can see these people walking around. We can, we can drive here on Hilton Head Island. We can we can travel to an inner city like Chicago or, or Atlanta. We can go to a foreign country. We can see people as if they're other people. And they're just walking around. And, and the hurt they're going through is just part of life. We can turn on the news. And our heart can be calloused towards what is happening in the world. Because we see people as trees as if they, they don't really matter. But Jesus did it for a reason. Because he wanted the man to, to see this, this isn't everything. There's something more to this. And so he told Jesus, I just see people as if they're trees, as if they, they don't really matter. I can't really see detail. I can't really see maybe what I need to see. And for us in here, maybe it's just me, but I find myself many times just looking at people as if they're just a tree, as if they're just a part of life. I'm going to pass by. I need to get what I need to do done. I need to get here. I need to get my lunch and eat quickly and go somewhere else. And the person that was sitting by themselves, or the person that maybe was crying, or the person that has a car that's broke down, there's just a tree. They, I, I've got to do what I've got to do, and, and it's just part of life. They'll get over it. Somebody else will help them. But no, Jesus was communicating. There's much more to this. And when Jesus touched his eyes again, he began to see people as if they were people. He began to see them as they were supposed to be seen. And so if compassion gives us the, compassion for those who are hurting, compassion for those who are lost, gives us the courage to share the gospel, how do we find this compassion? How are our eyes opened to see those who are hurting, to see those who, who need Jesus, who need the gospel, the good news that, that they can't do it on their own, but it's already been done for them? I believe that we have to be touched by God. We have to, our eyes need to be touched and opened by God in order to see those who are hurting. And so today, I ask this question to myself. I ask this to us. Do, do, are our eyes open? Do we see those who are hurting here, even here on our own island? Are we compassionate to those who, who might go to bed hungry here on this island? This own island, on, our, on our own island, Hilton Head Island, paradise where everybody is happy and everybody has everything they need. Do we have compassion on those who go to bed hungry while we might go to bed complaining about how much we ate and how our stomach hurts because we have so much food in our stomach? I say it because I've done it. Do we have compassion on those who are hungry here on our own island? Do we have compassion, students, do we have compassion on those who sit at the lunch table at school by themselves and, and we find contentment in sitting with those who we know, who those we're comfortable with, who those we don't have to really say anything or go out of our comfort zone? Do we have compassion upon those who we work with, the boss that we don't like? Do we have compassion upon our family members? Do we have compassion upon maybe the person who... who has imaginary voices in their head and speaks to themselves on the island or do we just walk by as if they're crazy? I can't do anything. 
Do we have compassion on those who live on this island or those who, who might live in the area who, who live in a gigantic mansion behind a gate who we think they have it all together, but yet they're bitter and they're angry and they're lonely? Do we have compassion on those people? Many times I have to answer no. And it's at that point I have to ask God, God, open my eyes, touch my eyes so I don't just see them as trees. I don't just see them as just something that doesn't matter, someone who, who doesn't matter. And see, I believe this all stems from Christ's compassion on us. When we can understand Christ's compassion on us, then, then we have no problem asking God. We have no problem asking Jesus to touch our eyes because we were in the same boat. We were hopeless. We had no hope. And yet Christ, he stepped down from his throne in heaven. He stepped down from having everything, from being the God of the universe. He stepped down from perfection and he came to earth and he humbled himself and he was born as a baby, the, the king of the universe who cannot be contained in a box, who created everything we see, the galaxies, the universe that we look up and we see at night. And he humbled himself to the point of being born as a baby because, simply because he had compassion on us. Because he was so sympathetic that he knew he had to do something. And he was born as a baby. He lived a life here on this earth and then experienced an excruciating, painful, humiliating death because he had compassion on us. And because of his compassion, we can act in the same way. Because of his compassion, because of, of overcoming death, he can touch our eyes, he can touch us, and we can have that same compassion on those around us. And so... Let me, share, let me share this verse that I shared in the beginning in one of our passages. Let me share it one more time. And then I want to give us an opportunity to, to ask God for this compassion. And if you notice the theme throughout this series, it's not that we give you a list of things to do to walk out Sunday morning and to accomplish these things. If you just do these certain things, then, then you'll have the courage. If you picked up on the theme, the theme is if you spend time with the Lord, if you seek God, then he will be faithful and he will give you this courage. And in John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine. He's speaking to his disciples. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He says, abide in me and I will abide in you. And what he's saying is, I am the vine. And if you simply spend time with me, if you simply seek me, if you simply put me at, at the top of your priority list, then as branches, you will bear fruit you will have this courage to share the gospel. You will have this joy, this peace, this patience that you so earnestly seek for that we, that we read self-help book after self-help book for. And Jesus says, no, you, you've missed the point. If you just spend time with me, if you abide in me, then I will give you what you seek for. I will give you what you seek for according to my will. I will give you that peace, that courage And so I want to give us an opportunity to abide. I want to give us an opportunity to seek the Lord and to ask the Lord to touch our eyes so that we don't just see our neighbors. We don't just see the hurting here on this island and in this world as just trees, but we see them as, as humans, as, 
as people with eternal souls. So let me share this verse one more time. This is from, um, this is from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus says, or he says, then he said to his disciples, speaking of Jesus, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This was, this was a society that was based on agriculture and this made so much sense to them, and I think it can still make sense to us. The harvest is plentiful. The people out there who God so earnestly desires to be in his kingdom, to know him, to know the gospel, is plentiful. There's, there's people that we come across every day who, who are ready to hear the gospel, who are hurting, who are hopeless, whether we see it or whether we don't. And we have the opportunity. Do we have the courage? And if we don't have the courage, here is your opportunity to speak or to seek God, to spend time in his presence, to worship him and to say, God, open my eyes, touch my eyes. Because I no longer just want to walk past these people as if they don't mean anything. Will you pray with me? God, we, God, we love you. God, we thank you so much for your compassion upon us. God, your compassion that when you saw us hurting, when you saw us in need, when you saw us hopeless and helpless, God, that you, that you became a baby, God, that you did whatever you needed to do to, to show your compassion, to act and to, to bring us salvation, God, I pray this morning that you reveal to us how we see those around us. You reveal to us how we see our family members, how we see those people who we don't know, how we see those people who might get on our nerves, how we see those people who commit horrendous crimes, God. Do we have compassion upon them? God, do we see them as trees or do we see them as, as sons and daughters of you? God, I pray this morning that, that you touch our eyes, God, that in this time as we seek you, God, you touch our eyes and you give us compassion to walk out of this place and, and to, to act, God, to, to help those who are in need, not off, out of obligation, but because our heart so earnestly desires it, God. May you be glorified this morning. Amen.